Amen. Thank you, Tony. Let's take our Bibles. Please turn to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. This morning we are in 1 John chapter 3. And uh, I was reading this book or this letter, this epistle, and uh, some things just jumped out. And so I wanted to go ahead and continue to preach on them. And we talked about the love of God. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. What a wonderful privilege to know that we are the children of God, and we can bear that title, the sons of God. But friend, that only because we have trusted in him. The Bible says, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to be called the sons of God. I hope you know Christ as your Savior. But you know the Bible tells us also in 1 John chapter 4, that God's love ought to be manifest in us. We ought to show forth the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're going to look at that tonight. Now, I'm going to, um, I'm, I, I may scare you a little bit. Uh, I know that when I sent this, the message into the fellows to do the sermon slides, there's about 24 slides. You know, we're not going to spend much time. So what we're going to do is I'm going to do some interpretation and then some application, all right? So we will move very quickly through all these points as I outline the passage that we'll look at so that we have a good context, a good understanding of the passage. But then I'm just going to hit on three things right at the end, all right? We'll just look at three things and we'll be done. And uh, I'm so thankful that we'll be done. And I mean that because I'm glad we are done this format and we'll be back in church. I'm thrilled. You have no idea. Maybe you do. Maybe you miss it as much as I do. Uh, But uh, I don't have to listen to me. So I understand if you don't miss it as much, but I miss church. And uh, it's a difficult thing. Any of these folks that have stood up here and sing, I'm thankful for them to sing to uh, a picture of themselves on the screen is a difficult thing sometimes. And you think, do I really look like that when I sing? Or, you know, you, you hit a high note and your face turns a funny way and you realize, boy, that's what everybody else sees when I sing. But so thank you uh, for doing that and filling in and all those in the morning services and the evenings and Wednesdays. I really do appreciate it because it's not an easy thing to do to sing to an empty room. And uh, some, when they sing, don't even have music playing. They have a thing in their ear, and it's, it's just a whole different ball game. So let's, let's look at First John chapter 4. I can't wait to meet with you next week. I hope you'll come. And uh, make, just make the decision right now. I'm going to come. You know, God has not given us a spirit of fear. Don't stay home because you're afraid. If you have a genuine health risk, You know, I understand that. I'm not trying to convince anybody to come and put their health at risk. I'm not doing that. But let's not have an unreasonable fear about things. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and a sound mind. And let us follow after in faith what God wants us to do. And so let's do our very best to be in the house of God next Sunday, 8.30 or 10.30 in the morning, 6 o'clock at night, and I hope that you'll come and we'll have a good time together. All right? 1 John chapter 4, we're going to begin reading in verse 7. And what I'm going to do is I'm not going to read the whole chapter. I'm just going to outline as we go, all right? So if you found your place in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer and ask God's blessing on our time in the word, all right? Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to gather here, even though there's only six of us in this room or seven, and we just thank you and praise you, Lord, that these seven can be here. And Lord, others in the TV and the audio, we appreciate them putting out all this effort week after week to make sure that the Word of God continues to go forth to our people. Father, we do pray that you would bless your Word. And Father, I so desperately want to be filled with the Spirit that I surrender to you and ask you to cleanse my heart of sin, that I could be that empty vessel that is clean and ready to be used of thee. But Lord, I know that at the end of the night, if I have failed, you can still bless your Word. 
And so I pray that you would bless your word. I pray that it would go forth in power, that it would not return void, that it would speak to hearts, that it would move men and women to, to show the manifest love of God in their lives. So Father, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, through the reading of your word, the exposition of your word, and Lord, that we might get to the application of your word and that it might truly hit home in our hearts. Father, maybe there's one here tonight that they're wondering, how can we show the love of Christ? right now. We're locked behind closed doors. We're not communicating with other people, but Lord, I I pray Lord, that they would see through the scripture tonight. We have no excuse that we can still minister in some way. And Father, help us, we pray. Lord, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, look at 1 John chapter 4, and we're going to look at verse 7. Verse 7, and what I've entitled the first two verses, verses 7 and 8, is the evidence of love. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8 is the evidence of love. Now, we're just going to give you an outline. It's going to be very sterile feeling. It's going to be very teaching feeling. We'll get to the preaching at the end with some principles for you. But look, 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, we see the evidence of love. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. Listen to this. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. You know, every once in a while you'll come across a Christian who does not have the love of God. They are a sourpuss, if you will. They're kind of down and out, and we don't enjoy being around with them, around them too often. There's a lot of miserable Christians out there. But I want you to know this. If we have the love of God in our hearts, that is an evidence of a couple things. The Bible says, first of all, if we loveth, we are born of God. But that is not mutually mutually exclusive and knoweth God. It's more than just being born again. It's to also have an intimate knowledge of God. Those two must go together. There's a lot of people that are born again, those that are saved, those that are on their way to heaven, and yet they are miserable and have no joy in their life. And we wonder if they know anything about the love of God. Yes, they can be saved, but the Bible says they must be born of God and knoweth him. I remember in Bible college getting to a class early and standing outside and there was a, a, a door here for my class and a door over here for another classroom and, and uh, this young man was waiting to go into his class and, and, and he was kind of known around campus as being miserable all the time. And I, we're not sure what had happened, but some insight was shed that day, I suppose. One of the teachers came out and she said to him, how are you? And I said, I'm fine. And she said to the other young man, how are you today? And he said, I'm doing wonderful. And she wasn't expecting to hear that. And she says, wow, that's quite a change in your disposition. She says, well, it's got you so happy today. He says, well, I got up this morning and I read my Bible and I read where uh, Jezebel died and, and, and they rode through her guts. And he says, boy, that just made my day to see a woman treated like that. And, and this woman just turned pale. I thought, what? There was absolutely no love in this young man's heart. It thrilled him to see the tragedies of the Bible. That's not what God intended from that passage. It was a warning against a sinful lifestyle and and the judgment of God, but he rejoiced in it. But if we're going to have the evidence of love in our lives, it's, it's not just being born again, but it's also knowing God and having an intimate relationship with him. Verse eight bears that out. It says, he that loveth not knoweth not God. It doesn't say you're not born of God, but if you don't know God, you really don't know his love. For God is love. Verse 7 and 8 is the evidence of love. Verse 9 and 10 I've called the epitome of love. 
Verse 9, it says, In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So obviously God is love and therefore he is the epitome of love. And I want you to notice how, uh, how that bears forth in these verses. First of all, it is a shown love. And the Bible says in verse 10, here in his, or verse 9, in this was manifested the love of God toward us. How would we know about the love of God if it were not shown? God has shown us his love. It has been manifested. The love of God, by the way, the love of God is visible and it is real. The Bible says in Romans that nature itself attests to the glory of God. That's his love for us. He says, here in his love, not the, or verse 9, in that this was manifested, the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. God didn't just send us a love letter in his word. He sent us his very son to show us that he loved us. It is a shown love. It is a substitutionary love. The Bible says God sent his only son, begotten son in the world, that we might live through him. He died for us so we can live through him. He was our substitute. It was a shown love. It was a substitutionary love. It is a satisfying love. Look what it says in verse 10. Here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Uh, propitiation is a big word, but it means the satisfying of the law of God and the appeasing of the wrath of God. The wages of sin is death. God demanded a penalty for sin, and Jesus satisfied the very wrath of God. Jesus and God are the epitome of love, but it's demonstrated. You know, we can often say to somebody, we love you, but unless we show them how we love them. We were blessed this afternoon, you know, we, we were at home, and Bethany said, I got to run out to the store, and, and I, I didn't know what she needed or whatever, but she went to the store, and she came back with flowers for her mom and flowers for her grandma, and she brought a, a gift basket full of things for my wife and I and some stuff for mom and some stuff for Frank, and, and I don't know what all she spent, but man, she was a blessing. It was just an encouragement. And it said, I didn't care what was in the bag. It didn't matter to me what was in the bag. What it said was, Dad, I love you. Well, that was what I appreciated. It didn't matter uh, that, that there was things in there that I liked or didn't like or com could complain about or, or, you know, things that at Christmas sometimes we say, hey, did you keep the receipt? And we want to return those things that we get because maybe they don't fit or we don't like the color or whatever. That wasn't the point. The point was she's saying, I love you because I evidenced it. I showed you my love. And that's what God did when he sent his son. Look at the third thing, verse 11 and 12. We're moving quickly. We see, thirdly, the example of love. God is the epitome of love, and he gives us the example of how to love. Verse 11 says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. You say, what does that mean? He wants us to love one another just like God loved us. This is not the only place in the Bible it says so. Ephesians chapter 5 says, Husbands, you ought to love your wives like Christ loved the church. We are to love like God loved. We are loved like Christ loved. He is the epitome, but he is the example. Verse 12, uh, 
says, no man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us and his love is perfected in us. I want you to notice, first of all, there's a love that is patterned for us. A love that is patterned. You say, well, how should I love? Like God did. Like God did. It's a shown love. It's a substitutionary love. It's a satisfying love. We, we ought to love like Christ did. We ought to give ourselves. God gave his son and we ought to give ourselves in love. We ought to be willing to take upon a burden for somebody else. That's how we love one another. We ought to be there to help when somebody says, uh, ask, hey, can you give me a favor? And you say, I'll do anything you want. We ought to really mean that as long as it's legal. But we ought to mean what we say, that we're there for people. Because Christ is the example of love. It's a love that is patterned for us. It is a love that is perfected in us. Look at verse 12. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. That love that God has shown to us, he says, no man can actually see God. Count, count on your hand how many times people saw God in the Bible. I mean, I'm not talking about the visible manifestation of God in the flesh, Jesus Christ. I'm talking about God the Father. How many times can we say Moses saw his back parts? Abraham saw the angel of the Lord on the plains of Mamre. But how many times can we say that somebody saw God and lived? Jacob wrestled with an angel and he said, I have wrestled with the angel of the Lord and I have lived. And he was surprised that he lived. Not very many people have seen God. He says, no man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, though, God dwelleth in us. People can see God through us. They can see the love of God in us. So love that is perfected in us and love that is presented through us is the type of love that God has made as an example. I want you to see fourthly. Look at the next couple verses, verse 13. We see the encouragement of love. The encouragement of love. Verse 13 says, Whereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us, because he hath given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Notice, notice some things that love does to encourage us. First of all, he gives us confidence through the Spirit. Verse 13 says, Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us. Why? Because he hath given us of his Spirit. Hey, you know, you wouldn't know you were saved if the Spirit of God didn't bear witness in your heart that you're a child of God. If that comforter didn't come along in times of trial and lift you up, you would wonder, Where is God? But he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, and my grace is sufficient for thee. We have the promise of the comforter that comes to us. And so we see, first of all, we are encouraged because of our confidence through the Spirit. But then we have a conviction of a Savior. Verse 14 says, and we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Listen, you ask me how I know he lives? He lives within my heart. It ought to be a reality for the believer. I heard a song years ago that said this, don't try to tell me that God is dead. I just talked with him this morning. And he walks with me and he talks with me. 
We, we sing those great songs, but do we believe them in our heart? Verse 13 says, the Spirit of God bears witness, and we can know this and have the conviction in our heart that God sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Do you have that peace tonight? That's the encouragement of love. Then we see, thirdly, we confess the Son. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. You say, how does that work? We walk around and we start telling people, hey, Jesus is the Son of God. You got a problem? You need to take, take Jesus into your life. You need to trust Christ. And we begin to confess Jesus, and the Bible says, here's what happens. God dwelleth in him, and he in God. That's called abiding. John chapter 15, verse 7 says, if we abide in him and he abides in us, Ask what you will and it shall be given unto you. There's a special relationship when we confess the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm reminded of the Song of Solomon where the Bible talks about the, the woman who has gone to bed and her beloved comes to the door and he says, he says, come to me, my beloved. And, and she says, no, I've put off my shoes and I've put on my nightcoat and I'm in my bed. And, and so he puts his hand over that door, the keyhole, and she smells his aroma. And she quickly gets up and she dresses and she puts on her shoes and she gets to the door and he's gone. And she runs out into the streets and she says, have you seen my beloved? Have you seen my beloved? And he is sweet to me. And as she confesses about her beloved, he draws near. He returns to her. That's the picture we see in verse 15. When we confess Jesus is the son of God, God dwelleth in him and he in God, that's the encouragement of love. And look at verse 16. These three facts lead us to know and live the love of God. The fact that we can have confidence through the Spirit, that we can have the conviction of the Savior, and we can have the confession of the Son. In verse 16 says, And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Listen, let me just put it this way. When you get to know the Father... And you get to know the Son, and you live walking in the Spirit, you can't help but know the love of God. Look at verse 17 with me. That's the encouragement of love. But notice verse 17, the empowering, the empowering of love. Verse 17. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Hey, listen, when we walk in Christ and we walk in the Spirit and we know the Father and we draw into an intimate relationship with Him and we know His love dwells within us, that love begins to work in our lives. And the Bible says it is made perfect. It is made complete. That we may have what? Boldness in the day of judgment because as He is, so are we in this world. So the empowering of love, first of all, it's a fervent love. He gives us a fervent love, a boldness to stand. Have you ever, have you ever met somebody that just doesn't matter where they are, they'll just speak of Christ, it doesn't, it doesn't phase them. They're bold for Jesus Christ. They'll just speak out, they'll hand out a gospel tract, they'll, they'll tell somebody about Jesus, it doesn't scare them one bit. And I wish I had that kind of boldness to be able to just walk into a room and start preaching the gospel to a group of people. It's a difficult thing, I understand the devil attacks and fear takes over, but the Bible says our love is made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. Then look at verse 18. Not only is it a fervent love, it is a fearless love. The Bible says there is no fear in love. But perfect love casteth out fear. 
because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. I'm reminded of a young lady years ago that was having some scary nightmares and things. Her grandmother had just died and she was having these visions and things were happening and her father unwisely, an unsaved man unwisely said, well, it's just grandma, go ahead and talk to whatever it is you're seeing at night. We said, no. We said, what we need to do is we need to pray and understand that the blood of Christ can conquer all these things. We just encouraged her, go home tonight. And this was going on all the time. We said, just go home tonight and pray. And pray in the name of Jesus. And ask for the blood of Jesus to conquer this thing. And she says, I went home and I did that and I never had a problem again. I slept through the night. I I had no longer fear. That's because the love of God conquers fear. He casts out all fear. Verse 19, we love him because he first loved us. It starts with God and ends with us being empowered by his love. You know, there's a misconception that love leads to weakness. Isn't that the misconception? Gerald, you're a man. To to love your wife is considered a weakness. To love your children in a lot of of society is considered a weakness when, when a man shows his affection. But the Bible teaches us the very opposite is true. That when we learn to love one another, we will stand up boldly for what we truly love and believe in. Then I want you to see next in verse 20. We're almost to the message. Hold on. Verse 20, the effects of love. The effects of love. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. The effects of love. Listen, when God's love fills your life, he says the next step is you need to love the brethren. You need to love one another. Verse 20, I've called it this, some common sense. Here's some common sense in verse 20. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he's a liar. How can you say you love God, but you don't love his children? How can you say that you love God, but you don't love those who are made in his image? For he loveth not his brother whom he hath seen. How can he love God whom he hath not seen? They are the very image of God. They are children of God. They are brothers and sisters in Christ. How can you say you love the Father whom you've never seen, and yet the ones he has changed and redeemed and washed in his blood, you say you don't love them? This is just some common sense. But then we see in verse 21, he follows it up with a commandment. And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. The effects of love. The love of God ought to have an effect on your life. It ought to change. Yeah, yeah, listen. You say, well, you know, I love God, but I have no desire to go to church next Sunday. Hey, I understand if you can't come to church next Sunday, but you ought to hate that you can't. You ought to have a desire. I can't wait to get back to church. What I don't like is this. 
I don't like the screens and the lights and the cameras. I, I want to be so desperately with God's people and singing the hymns of the faith and listening to the anthems of grace and, and preaching the word of God to a people who are soaking it up and responding. That's what I want. I don't want this. We have a desire to be around God's people. But notice this, and here's where we're going to give you three principles. I want you, I've called it this, the expression of love. It's our conclusion tonight. The expression of love. From the example of the Father and the Son, we learn about true love and how it is to be expressed. So let's look back a little bit in this chapter, 1 John chapter 4. Look at verse 9. If Christ and God the Father and the Holy Spirit, the triune God, are the epitome of love and the example of love, we can learn how to express our love through them. Look at verse 9. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. I want to say, first of all, the expression of love, it is to be proclaimed. It is to be proclaimed. The Bible says it was manifested. That means it was shown. And we talked about that a little bit earlier. It was a shown love. It was a manifest love. It was real. It was tangible. You could, you could see it. Like I said when I was, was illustrating that fact earlier uh, in the message, uh, Bethany doesn't just tell us she loves us. She did something today to show us that she loved us. There was a gift that was attached to it. There was something special. And by the way, way more than we expected, more than she should have spent. But it was just a blessing that she would express her love in such a way and do it for her grandma and her grandpa. It was such a blessing because love is to be proclaimed. In other words, love is not to be secret. Love is not to be a secret. John chapter 13 verse 35 says this, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Think about these thoughts with me, will you? God gave his son. God commissioned his church. God commanded his disciples to love one another. God inspired his word. God sent his Holy Spirit. God extended his mercy and his grace. All of those words that are used are action words. God said, I'm not just going to tell you about my son. I'm going to give you my son. I'm not going to just tell the church to tell others about Christ. I'm going to commission them to go. I'm not just going to uh, tell my disciples to love one another. I'm going to command them. I'm not just going to give you a piece of paper with writing on it and let you figure it out. No, I'm going to inspire it. I'm going to breathe upon it. I'm going to give you my love letter from heaven. He has given us all these things, all these actions because he loves us. And he wants you to love one another too. God proclaimed his love in so many ways. And he wants us to do the same. He says, if any man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he's a liar. He that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? All these actions are motivated by love. Now we are to do the same. The world will know us by our love. Secondly, we're thinking about the expression. of How do we express it? First of all, we have to proclaim it. You know, listen, you can, you can be a secret admirer of somebody. My wife and I, well, I guess we met... 1991, the fall of 91, we were going to the same church, 
And uh, the church we went to, Baptist Temple, they'd put your picture, new member picture, right? Up on the wall out in the hallway. And uh, what happened was she found out I was Canadian and wanted to hear how I talked funny. So she went out and looked at the picture and found out who I was just because she'd never talked to a Canadian before. That was all it was. But I saw this girl in church looking at me funny. And so I thought, that's kind of strange, but I like it. So we began to talk a little bit, and it turned out she was dating my roommate. I didn't like that, but that didn't last, praise the Lord. And we began to, but you know, if we just admired each other from afar and never proclaimed it, we wouldn't have four kids. We wouldn't be married for 27 years. We wouldn't have all that God has blessed us with. You have to proclaim it. God says a brotherly love's the same. We need to show that love one to another. That means sometimes showing grace, showing mercy, just being kind, being a help. It's to be proclaimed. Secondly, it's to be practical. To be practical. Look at verse 9 again. In this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Do you know what God gave us first? Something to take care of our greatest need. Jesus Christ was a very practical gift, if you think about that. When he expressed his love to us and sent us his son, boy, you couldn't ask for a better gift. You couldn't ask for something more practical, something that we could use, something that we desperately needed a sacrifice for our sins. Love teaches us to minister to needs first. Let me give you an example. If I were to walk downtown Simcoe tonight and I were to find a homeless person that was sitting at the side of the road in the cold without a coat on and they're hungry, what good is it if I were to give them a basketball? I'd say, hey, I just want to be a blessing to you and I have... 25 basketballs over here in the ballroom at the church, and I thought this would be a blessing to you. You know, maybe it gets you some exercise. Get you, it'll keep you warm if you run up and down the street bouncing this ball for the night. It's minus 10 out plus wind chill. That ball would have to flate, and it wouldn't even bounce, I suppose, out in that cold. You'd say, you're crazy. What he needs is a coat and a hot meal. He needs a roof over his head. Well, Jesus understood our need. And so when he gave and he expressed his love, it was practical. It was something that could be a blessing to us. Turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. I remember one time when we were boys, we were shopping. We'd gone to the mall. Mom let us go off, the two of us together. I was probably about 12 and Wade was about 10. And Wade wanted to buy mom a football for Christmas. I said, well, you can't buy mom football. Well, we don't have a football at the house. It just made perfect sense to him. I said, no, no, that's not what mom needs. A gift is an expression of love. And it should be practical. It should be something that's a blessing to them. Look at verse 7. Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. For what man is there of you whom if his son asks bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? 
If he then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? Therefore all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you. This is the golden rule, by the way. Do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. We need to be practical in our love. But look at this last thing. I believe the scripture bears out for us by application. First of all, love is to be proclaimed. Love is to be practical. But love is to be prominent. It is to be prominent. In other words, it's the most important thing. If we were to go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I won't do it tonight. I, I think my time is probably gone. Paul the apostle said, though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity, I've become as sounding brass and tinkling cymbals. And though I have all knowledge and all prophecy and on and on he goes with the whole chapter and have not charity, I'm nothing. Love is important. It is to be prominent in our lives in other words, love rises above. And I want you to notice in this chapter, I, I, I tried to find a scripture for you, but this is literally, and I'm not, I'm not pulling it out of context. I'm not reading between the lines, but I searched and I searched and I searched. I can find no disclaimer in this chapter. I can find no out clause in this passage of scripture. I can find no excuse for when we are to stop showing love. He said, well, there's a pandemic going on. No, we're still supposed to show love. Matter of fact, you might have more opportunity. You say, oh, but pastor, it's the middle of winter and the weather is poor and I, how am I, I going to take a meal to somebody? How am I going to tell somebody about Jesus? No, no, no. There's no out clause here. It doesn't say only when the sun is shining and only when the weather is just right and when, when there's no pandemic or no stay-at-home order. No, we are not excused. It's a prominent thing in the church. We are to love one another. They say, oh, but the church has been closed. No, you are the church. You are the church. As our theme for this year, be the church. We knew that there might come a time where they would close our doors and cause us to, to, be, to, uh, to have online services only, and here we are. And friends, that's why we're saying be the church. He said, how do I be the church? By loving the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy soul, thy mind, thy strength, and loving thy brother as thyself. Love is to be prominent. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes for a moment tonight. <clears throat> Lord Jesus Christ loves us so very much, and he says, if my love dwells in you, now you go love other people. Go and love the brethren. It's sometimes a hard thing. You know, I, I find, and I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you, I've been all, a lot of places in this world, I, not, not as many as some of you, been to Africa, Israel, <coughs> lived in the United States for four years. <coughs> and one thing I've learned is that sometimes Canadians, just, just our personality, we're just a little bit more closed off than when it comes to showing our love. We're just not, you know, we, we're just not maybe as patriotic as some others. And I understand, and 
But for a man to say to another brother, hey, brother, I love you. That's a difficult thing for a man sometimes. For us to express that love to the brethren, but you can do it in action and in deed. We could be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ Jesus' sake, hath forgiven you. Friend, we, we just need to make this the prominent thing in our church. The Bible says, by this shall they know that you're my disciples, by your love, that you love one another. I had a visitor, actually a family that came to our church for quite some time. They're, they're shut in now and was visiting in his home and he said to me, you know, he says, we come to Bethel, he said, <clears throat> for about a year. And so we've learned it's much like a lot of other churches. People are happy to shake your hand and smile. But he said, that's it. They go to their seat. They don't get to know you. And he reminded me of that verse. He says, the early church was known for their love. Would to God that would be said about Bethel Baptist Church. Would you pray and ask God to make that a reality first in your life and secondly in our church that each member would love one another.